Harrison Price for Wednesday, November 8th, 2023. We're coming to you from the GoGo Sports Studio, built by Arbor Lee here at the iconic Wall Center downtown Vancouver. And if you're planning a holiday party, the Wall Center offers more than 55,000 square feet of striking indoor and outdoor space. Call them, 604-893-7370. Matzik Harrison alongside Blake Price, Grace Sass, Hitting Switches, conducting things this show presentation of applewood auto group we're at applewood infinity in the richmond auto ball the qx50 right now you finance from zero percent the q50 finance from 1.99 percent plus no charge winter tires on select trims like price because it's all good at applewood poll question today we are asking you and boy i've heard this word a lot regress are you worried the Canucks will regress? Yes or no? You can vote at Sikharrison Price on Twitter. I voted no just because, as we discussed yesterday, they have cushion with this 9-2-1 start. And because there have only been six examples in the cap era of teams missing the playoffs from an 8-2-1 start, and all of them have been marked by injuries to important players— and or minimum five-game losing streaks, or in some cases, seven out of eight losses, eight out of nine. So if we get to a point where we've lost a few in a row, then maybe I will be a little bit worried about regression. I expect it to happen, but I suspect that they have built up enough here in the early going that it should not affect them as a postseason. The the proper reading of this is really in the eyes of the beholder as Chris K responds to the poll question. I can't vote on this poll because I'm not worried that they will regress. I know they will regress. I just wouldn't say it's a worry. And it's all in yeah. the eye of the beholder what regression means to you. To me, losing three in a row, that's not regression. To me, regression, because they will. They're going to lose in a three in a row. five in a row regression? Regression is undoing everything they've just done. If they get well, back that's to that's a lot. That's seven in a row or something. But like. no, but it doesn't have to be in one fell swoop. It doesn't have to be in one fell swoop. Fair enough. So if you know they lose four in a row, win two of four, then lose three in a row again. If they find themselves back at five hundred in the next month, mm-hmm. to me, that's a regression. Okay. That's how I define it. And you know, and that's the thing. Our poll question sometimes ask you to make your own definition of things and it does today we always say that but to me that's what regression means is undoing what they've done we always say define as you see fit Mm -hmm. canucks practicing in ottawa in advance of tomorrow's game against the senators teddy bluger is practicing with the fourth line one does wonder whether anthony beauvillier is in danger of being a healthy scratch here there are four guys on the fourth line right now we don't think it's going to be Nils Hoaglander, after what coach well, had to say about him the other day. Line rushes clearly put Bluger on the outside. And I think mm-hmm. I think Jeff Patterson um, had it right. I, he said on the rink right on the weekend that uh, he thinks Montreal is the most likely, just because he hasn't had a ton of practices. Sure. This is really his full, first full, full practice. Yeah. So Are they going to practice Friday, though? That's a good question. I mean, it's an easy travel day, mm-hmm. uh, but they might need to just fulfill a day off thing. I, I, I don't yeah. know. Uh Put it this way, I do think they want to get Bluger in the lineup. It gives you another centerman. It gives you another penalty killer. I don't see Lafferty or Hoaglander coming out. So. And on back-to-back nights, it's a free set of fresh legs. Right, exactly. So that's why Montreal makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. And again, or, you know, or even Toronto, if you're comfortable with them, and then you have the option of the coming way. back yeah, yeah. with someone. 
Well, I don't think you want to play, jump, put him in and then mm-hmm. play him twice. So even if you look good yeah. on Saturday, I don't know if you play him. And I mentioned Beauvillier because, uh, and I saw we all saw Darren Dreger's report yesterday that because of the great start here with the Canucks, Garland is less motivated to move. You also have to think that Rick Tockadu has had some praise for Connor Garland recently. Um, isn't exactly fussy about seeing this guy leave the lineup right now. Hasn't exactly he, he hasn't been much of a scoring threat this year, but there have been little things about his game that have improved. I mean, we think of the screening to start. He has been game there in the net front area as a screener. The other thing is. I'm not well look, if you're going to make a trade with some of the suitors we've heard about, Washington or Columbus, you would think that uh if they were anxious to get Connor Garland, that something might already have been done. So you have to feel like those teams are sort of, well, we got you over a barrel, the player's looking for a trade, mm-hmm. we've got cap issues. That hasn't transpired. Dreger reporting the Canucks are looking for a right-shot defenseman, and of course everybody is, and we know that's the big weakness here on the team, if you could get another top four right-shot defenseman. But I also understand, Blake, that, I mean, they're as motivated to move Anthony Beauvillier as they are Connor Garland. And we know the Islanders shot Beauvillier without a lot of takers. The Canucks took him on. Alvin talked about how great he had been in the playoffs with the Islanders against the Penguins from whence... Rutherford and Alvin came. But in the final year of his deal, you do wonder whether Beauvillier, who's also a little more cost-effective than Connor Garland, might be more movable at this stage in the proceedings. And, of course, right now is a little less valuable to the Vancouver Canucks. I mean, I think I think this team is able to, given what they've got cooking on the farm, too, um, I think this team is probably able to delete both of them, especially with Bluger coming in, remember. Um, I think this team has some depth that I think you could delete both of them from the roster and, and be okay. And considering the cap hit that both of those guys hold, my goodness, that is the panacea here for, for, the, for the Canucks. But, of course, you don't give away things for nothing. Generally speaking, anybody with any sort of cap hit has to be traded for a cap mm-hmm. hit. That's just the way it works now. Now, Beauvillier is playing more than Garland, about 45 seconds more per night. In fact, exactly 45 seconds more per night. And as we have discussed several times now, you're not just going to be able to move out one of these salaries in a cap-tight environment. So do you have to get creative? Do you have to make it as part of a larger deal where maybe you give something else up, a future asset, to see if you can solve that right shot defense matter. And speaking of, a most interesting trade in the NHL today where Kalen Addison, a young right shot defenseman with the Minnesota Wild, a one-time second-round pick of the rutherford Alvin regime in Pittsburgh, is off to his third NHL franchise, the San Jose Sharks, He was moved from Pittsburgh to Minnesota in the Jason Zucker deal. And now, and this caught everybody by surprise when Kevin Weeks tweeted earlier in the day, Blake, that Addison moving to San Jose from Minnesota for a draft pick, despite the fact he had been a pretty decent player for the Wild 
last year mm-hmm. that he was a defenseman who arrived in the National Hockey League last year. Arriving three years old, yeah. and eight, uh, he's making just eight hundred and twenty-five thousand this year. He's a restricted free agent with Arbrights coming up this summer, and maybe Minnesota was a little daunted, a little daunted there, but arrived offensively to the tune of. 29 points in 62 games. He arrives offensively, but he's he's just that for the most part. He's not much of a defender at all. Um, and remember, San Jose was using Kyle Burroughs as their power, power play, play point, point man. man. So uh, he'll slide to PP1 immediately, you would think, mm-hmm. and and give them some depth there. Um, you it's, also wonder it's still whether, a good deal for them. I mean, mm-hmm. it, there's, they've they've spent nothing to get him, so it's a mm-hmm. it's a no brainer for a uh, winger, Adam Raska, and a fifth round pick in the 2026 draft. So, not a lot being given up there. No, um, and you wonder whether this trade was motivated by San Jose, not just to get a young right shot, offensive minded defenseman, which of course is a pretty good commodity, but also because. And Raska has played NHL games, but you know hasn't done much scoring at the AHL level, a seventh-round pick. Uh, but also because their start has been so wretched that they feel they owe it to their fans to simply get a better lineup before their eyes uh, with 70 games to go here. And the Sharks did get their first victory of the season last uh Tuesday night, they beat Philadelphia, which, of course, uh, I know a lot of people were eyeing the Thursday game against Edmonton, wondering, could you imagine if the Sharks beat the Oilers after the meltdown that we saw from Connor McDavid in Edmonton here Monday night at Rogers Arena? Alas, it is, uh, Matt, here's where it got. Last night, I'm sitting there. Checking in on the out-of-town scoreboard. It's 2-1. I see in the live bug on NHL.com that there's three minutes left. I listened to the last three minutes of the broadcast. <laughs> you, can listen to, you can listen to the radio feed on NHL.com. And I listened because the shots were 2-1. to one. You know, like I think I think Philly finished with forty-two shots on goal or something like that. Like it was just a peppering. It was just a batten down the hatches, hope for dear life. So what you're telling me is Torts didn't blister the Flyers in the post game. He can accept this loss because of the way they played. I mean, I'm sure, but you do. Ho- I mean, they got goalied. Blackwooded. But yeah, Blackwood's a decent goal. We talked about him as a sort of a one of the long shots to be a Canadian keeper in the in the future because of the lack of any other Canadian keepers. Uh, that was a good one to put on his resume tape last night. So um, it was dramatic. There was a lot of shots late, like right through the final 10. I think there was three shots in the final yeah. 10 seconds. I was watching it, too, because I live bet the Flyers to come back. <laughs> Didn't work out. Earlier in the week, Elliot Freeman reporting that the Calgary UFA defensemen, Noah Hannafin, Chris Tanev, Nikita Zadorov, that the uh, Flames are gauging the market there that he thought three Canadian teams, Toronto, Edmonton, and Vancouver, showing some interest in those players. We have talked about bringing Tanev home in the past. Calgary did get a win last night. More on that in hashtags. And speaking of Canadian teams, this Eastern Canadian road trip for the Vancouver Canucks again begins Thursday in Ottawa, then off to Toronto Saturday. Well, the Sens and Leafs play tonight. 
And in fact, they get all three of these opponents on the second day of back to back. And four of six, too. Like they're all in horrific schedules, the three Eastern teams that they're facing. Mm-hmm. All busy. And the Canucks have not had a busy schedule at all. Toronto playing Calgary Friday and then back at it against the Canucks Saturday. And the Habs and Bruins rivalry renews on Saturday at the Bell Center in Montreal before the Habs host your Vancouver Canucks. Second straight Eastern road trip in which you look at the schedule and you go, it's doable. Very doable. Like Not not only the quality of opposition, which was the case in the first Eastern road trip, but just the way it was laid out. We said wow. that on the first road trip, too, of, hey, if you're going to do this road trip, this isn't a bad way to do it. Same thing for this one. Ottawa has been ravaged by injuries to their decor and, of course, is playing without a guy who would be one of their top three centers in Shane Pinto with his gambling suspension. Then there's the Leafs, who can't get a save from Samsonoff, and where there's grumbling about Sheldon Keith, and... You know, Montreal may be the most stable of the three right now simply because they're off to a decent start, 500, and, of course, understand that they're in the throes of a rebuild and slowly but surely getting a little better there. But without the expectations that the Ontario clubs had heading into this season, I know I've heard from some uh, friends who are Senators fans who have already chalked up this season as lost, and let's play for the next one and fire the coach, and we'll see what this Steos guy can do since he now has the keys to the kingdom on hockey operations under the new and owner, honestly, Michael Landlauer. To me, that's a big a bit of a big reaction. I, I still don't mind the Senators at all. They're only four and six. You know, you can reset your entire season by going six and four in the next 10 games, and you got 62 games left to peck, a peck away at the playoffs. Like, it is not too late for the Senators. They, they're a plus goal differential, for heaven's sakes. But they do need you know. to get some things in order quickly. And, of course, we'll see how Elias Pettersson, Quinn Hughes, and other Vancouver Canucks. I mean, they got five players who are a point per game at this stage. And uh, Elias bypassed by Nikita Kucherov yesterday for the scoring lead. So Unacceptable. You will see that jockey back and forth between Pettersson, between Kucherov, and maybe some of the others that are involved there a point or two back, including Quinn Hughes. So we'll see if Quinn Hughes, this new captain who's even somehow better this year than he has been in the last couple of years, and he's been damn good, finally gets his due from these Eastern media markets that still seem to think that he's a small, poor defender or don't necessarily see his genius. Although I must say, Blake, um, this Canucks start, and particularly the last three wins, because... I mean, San Jose was eye-popping, 10-1. to How do you not notice that? Dallas, a damn good team that you shut out on a Saturday hockey night game. And then a third victory over the Oilers with the McDavid meltdown. Those three games in concert have brought a lot of chatter around the Canucks stars. You know the phrase, be too good to ignore? They're too good to ignore right now. They're getting and the hockey world yeah. is paying attention finally. Uh, it, they're getting a lot of shine right now, and um, it's uh, it's good to see, but it does raise the bar of expectation a little bit. And uh, they're going to, you know, with more interest comes mm-hmm. people poking around. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see. Uh, back on the Oilers, John Shannon on our show, and he was first with it, mentioned that Jack Campbell going on waivers, and our friend Hart Levine at Puckpedia tweets out due to popular demand 
a Jack Campbell buyout in the offseason carries a six-year cap hit and a cost-slash-savings of, he would be a $3.9 million savings next year to buy him out, mm-hmm. 1.1 cap hit versus the five that he makes. He's a $2.7 million savings in year two. He's a $2.4 million savings versus, again, what you would be paying him otherwise in year three. And then years four through six, it's just a $1.5 million cap hit. This is a very buy-outable contract for the Oilers. And in fact, you can even argue that some of the logic that underpinned an OEL buyout would underpin this buyout as well. Except I'll say this. You have to, because of where your team is at cap-wise, competitively, you can do better. And you'd much rather the early savings in the early going of a buyout, even with the pain down the road, than the alternative of paying him $5 million this year and throughout, although I guess he's a million less than that because that's buried in the minors. I, uh, for the 2024-25 season, you're right, the OEL, um, the OEL logic holds. This year and next for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you got to wait till the summer to buy them out, though, right? So, uh, mm-hmm. like, you're you're stomaching this summer or this season, um, but at the same time, with a team that is trying to compete, beyond that, you've you, you are you, it's a noticeable cap hit for the two years after next, like starting twenty five twenty six at two point three sure. and then two point, sure. and you're you're but a team in a window. Alternative is five million. You no, know, I know, but do you do you then just pay through the nose for somebody to take it. Is that better? Considering yeah. you're in a win-now position, or is it more incumbent to peel first and, and pay to get relief this to year? To get full relief. And full and relief this year. Yeah. Or, or maybe you hold back a million mm. and you peel off for first and just say, yeah, this yeah. sucks, but it's our only way out. We shall see. And, uh, you know, I understand Jack Campbell took his playoff failures last year quite seriously and Tried to have us talk. It would say, good summer, big summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hasn't worked out yet. No. Uh, something else to keep an eye on in Canucks world. One week from today, Wednesday the 15th, the New York Islanders and Bo Horvat come to town. Certainly hope we see the former Vancouver Canuck in uniform. He blocked a shot Saturday. He missed a practice and then missed last night's loss to Minnesota. Out of the lineup. Mm. So we'll see. There's time. There's time. If Bo will be here at Rogers Arena in uniform. Of course, we're all interested to hear. Will he be cheered? Will he be booed? Combination of both. Will he tell us anything for free? <laughs> so, there's, so there's two two injury watches. And, and, and here's the other thing. I, I would suspect that Bo Horvat would speak and want to speak. Once the Islanders arrive here, that's just who he is. Accountable, stand up, has never had an issue uh, of being available, even when he knew the questions were going to be tough. But it's a Lou Lamorello run organization. Is Lou going to come down and just say, Horvat's not talking in Vancouver? Uh, I, I don't think he can do that. I don't know. Oh, Lou can do all sorts of things. I don't remember, think- this is not a league that particularly concerns itself with marketing, promotion, and all the things that other sports leagues. I think Bo's got a strong enough voice 
he's on an eight-year deal. I think he can look at whoever tells him that news and says, no, I'm sorry, I, I'm going to. I have to. Ollie and I had X number yeah. of great years here. and What's Lou going to say? No, you're here for eight years. I won't be, but you, you can talk next year. I, I, no chance. I'm just putting that out there. But you know, people will be monitoring player his availability and executive yeah. availability and coach availability with Lou has not always been a thing. People will be monitoring his injury and, of course, the Jack Hughes injury, too, because the Devils are coming as well. So two superstar or two star arrivals that that people want to see here at Rogers Arena. And uh, now it's questionable for both. BC Lions into Winnipeg Saturday, the West Division final. It's a 3.30 kickoff. We'll have Ryan Phillips on tomorrow's show, defensive coordinator. Practicing this week at BC Place. More on that later in the show. Middle linebacker Ben Hladek with a knee injury. And he left the game early. Mm -hmm. Did not practice yesterday. Gary Peters with a knee injury, the fine boundary corner. Limited practice. Jalen Edwards Cooper, the other corner, and they victimized his replacement, Mike Jones, on the long touchdown. Shoulder, he's not practicing. Keenan LaFrance, the backup running back and special teamer, continues not to practice. And of course, Jack Hinsberger, after the concussion, not practicing. So the Lions have, for the most part, been a pretty healthy football club through most of this year. You know, itty-bitty injuries to Vernon Adams. He came back. Some injuries in the receiving core, but they had enough depth. Struggled a little bit when the offensive tackles got hurt. Struggled a little bit when the defensive tackles got hurt. Lacumbo, we thought it was a bad injury. Turned out to be okay. They have been pretty fortunate with injury luck. It would be a real shame to be missing Claddock and Peters Saturday because those guys key your defense. Your middle linebacker and your boundary corner, like those are very big pieces vis-a-vis the running game and the passing game. And as we know, Winnipeg is a very balanced offense. So we don't have any update on expectations? Uh, I suspect because it's limited that Peters is just nursing himself. Yeah. And, of course, Gary's a longtime veteran here, too. Mm -hmm. They've played 20 games this year. 19 games. So I would suspect that he'll play. Laddick, I'm less sure. Yeah. All-stars announced from the Canadian Football League. Five BC Lions. Receiver Keon Hatcher. Defensive end Metchia Betts. Corner Gary Peters. DB TJ Lee. And kicker Sean White. The good news, from a Leo's perspective, is that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have them some injuries as well. In fact, at the same position were Dalton Schoen and Nick Dembski both mispracticed yesterday. Mm. And that's arguably one of the two or three best American and one of the two or three best Canadian receivers in the league. Yeah, well used. Both of them get a lot of, a lot of a looks. A lot of touches there. Yeah. Their offense would absolutely be a different cat if it plays without those two guys. Yeah. And then as we mentioned yesterday, Blake... And I understand why the Canadian Football League has moved its playoff games to Saturday. It is difficult to compete against the National Football League on Sunday. You know, you've got the tradition of Grey Cup Sunday, but you know, West and East playoff games. Keep it on Saturdays. Yeah. yeah. That makes a ton of sense. It, it, made it's a just ton, business it makes sense. a ton of sense. Yes. 
And there are some decent-looking games on this NFL card. The primetime games are not among them. As an awful announcing tweeted, hide your eyes from this week's grotesque NFL television lineup and say a grotesque. prayer for Al Michaels. And, Blake, I, I do wonder whether this will be Al Michaels last year. First of all, he's 80-some years old. Secondly, he can't hide his disdain anymore when the product is as poor as it is. And, frankly, it is too often poor on Thursday night football because there's not enough recovery time. 1-7 Carolina at 2-7 and seven Chicago. Michael's disdain might be the most entertaining thing on this broadcast. Yeah, yeah. Sunday night, the 4-4 four and four Jets still missing Aaron Rodgers at 4-5 and five Las Vegas. And both these teams have taken turns looking hideous offensively, including the Jets last week, where Robert Sala continues to back Zach Wilson, despite the fact they just don't sustain offensive drives. And then Monday night, three and five Denver versus five and four Buffalo. Bill's really skidding. Yeah. Frankly, Broncos might have done well to get the three and five. I was gonna say, um what what does Al Michaels hate more? His game assignments or vegetables? Which do you think? Man has never eaten a vegetable willingly. Mm. Yeah. Explained it that his parents didn't provide a lot of supervision way back when. In fact, I think they might have split at one point. Yeah. So he talked about how he was on his own a lot for, you know, meal planning. And at that age, you know, you don't really fancy vegetables. He can get by with tubers. Like a potato, he can get by. <laughs> but anything green? Yeah. A oh, carrot? A carrot, forget about a forget carrot. Forget it. No, he's not that. No. Too unappealing. Yeah. You know they prepare him a steak at halftime for games that he does? Really? He just sits there and he eats a steak at halftime. Well, he needs his protein, needs his energy. Yeah. Wow. No vegetables. I'm I honestly and and he's alive to tell the tale. No, I know. Yeah. He, he's a medical marvel. I haven't had it described to me yet if he eats fruit cuz he can get a lot of the fiber he needs from fruit. I if suppose. He, if he's if he's eating fruit, I can see it. If he's not eating fruit, I don't understand it. You think he's taking supplements? Pills? I think he shakes. I did hear him asked about that. I think he does. I mean, if the guy can't stomach a carrot, there's no way he's drinking a green no shake. No, but maybe a fruit salad, like an old school fruit salad. You know, like what's an old school fruit salad? Like you know, like a canned fruit salad. I could see oh, him doing okay, one of like those. a dole. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I could see a guy like him doing that. No, I get everything I need right here in this can. <laughs> Holds off the scurvy. How do you not eat lettuce? It's pretty benign. It's pretty benign. Come to think of it, I don't think I've ever seen Matt eat a fruit or vegetable. Oh, what are you talking no, about? No, stop it. I eat fruits or vegetables all the time. Mm. No. The canned ones? No. <laughs> no. I don't know where that came from. <sighs> I, I haven't shared many meals with you, and frankly, if that sort of commentary keeps up, I won't be go Less going inclined. either. Less inclined. Absolutely. Sorry, I couldn't resist. You know, I buy this guy sushi from time to time here yeah. for lunch. That's about to stop. Oh, it's meat and rice. He's, he's, he might be onto something. There's avocado. No, there's lots of vegetables in our sushi. Where does avocado line up in the Al Michaels diet? Oh, no way. No way. No. Mushy green stuff? Forget yeah. about it. Yeah. No avocado toast? Come on. Do you think he's the generation of avocado toast? <laughs> okay. Vancouver Whitecaps FC. And uh, as we suspected, Vanny Sartini had to go on out there and make things right. Make things right with referee Tom Ford 
from the other evening because, again, to know Vanny is to understand this wasn't the least bit serious, but to read it flatly, as many people would have, without tone, yes, without the laugh, not to mention the fact this is just a road you do not go down. So, Coach Sartini yesterday, quote, I want to clarify that the bad choice of words that I made was to place some self-irony of myself and on the behavior that I had on the pitch when I got sent off. That attempt that I had in order to play ironically and remark to myself brought me to make a bad choice in the words that I chose. So for that reason, I'm sorry. I should have done a better judgment to choose the right words. There was no malicious or violent intent of my words. If you missed it... He joked that if Tom Ford, Tim or Tom? Tim. Tim Ford was found uh, dead in False Creek, the cops would be looking at him first and foremost. That's because of how irate Vanny was on the field, on the touchline, after getting ejected, after myriad bad calls from Ford in a 1-0 playoff defeat to LAFC. And as the statement outlines. Sunday, and he was censured, of course, by a professional referees association saying, there is no business for any of that sort of commentary from a coach in imperils officials, and frankly, they are right. As his statement outlines, he was trying to outline the fact that I know I was over the line out there on the pitch to the right. point where I would be right. fingered as a as a suspect. Right. So um, I'm he, sure he got home and Barbara said, "Really? Yeah." And, and, and for those that know Vanny, I mean, my goodness. There isn't um, a bigger feeler out there. He's a very progressive guy that has all sorts of time for humanitarian causes. The last thing he was trying to do was stir something like this up. He's, he's, uh, yeah, he knows better, and uh, he will hopefully choose his words and metaphors and such uh, better going forward. So let me ask you this on the Whitecaps. Schuster and Vanny are going to be back. We have talked about how they have a fantastic partnership there. Right. Mm-hmm. Like finally, for uh, you know, first time in a long time, we have stability with the Whitecaps in both key roles, the sporting director and the head coach. You got a sporting director who is, you know, happy not to be in the limelight. You got a head coach that sucks up a lot of the limelight limelight. The head coach works as a good marketing arm for the club, while the sporting director does his work and has done a much better job than what we have seen in the MLS history of the Whitecaps in player procurement. Where do they go from here? Do they have anyone who is uh, UFA or available that you think must be brought back? Well, in terms of availabilities, I mean, we're talking about a global game. I mean, that's that's huge. Uh, You know, vast sea of players. So, uh, oh, I understand that. I'm yeah. just saying, of the existing Whitecaps, oh. if, if, do you feel there are guys who are so important from a playing and or a culture point of view that they must be brought back? Do they have any in-house business to get to before huge, they go out scouring huge, this huge, world? Huge, 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 um, Richie Larea is a free agent. Mm-hmm. So you have to decide if Richie Larea fits into your system. And there's the biggest question. Richie Larea is a great player. But Vanny plays a very um, unique system. And, and we mentioned this when Larea signed, yes. that he's kind of a square peg round hole vis-a-vis the system afoot. He started to get it. Sort of, I don't know what he played. Did he play 12 matches as a white cap? I'm going to say something like that. Uh, it felt like the middle grouping of uh, matches were his best. 
but the last couple weren't great. And it seemed to be definitely square peg round, round hole. So I'm curious as to whether or not they're going to invest in Richie LaRay. I truly am because it's, otherwise it's money, DP money. Like That's what Richie's going to ask for. Mm-hmm. It's DP money that can be spent certainly elsewhere. So if, if he doesn't fit, then he doesn't fit and you move on. Junior Hoyland, on the other hand, came on an absolute lark of a fee. Um, I mean, if you can get Rich, uh, Junior Hoyland back at the same price you were paying him, by all means, he costs you almost nothing. I wish you came at a lark of a fee. I wish Grady came at a lark of a fee. Do we pay you? Junior, uh... Pay me an exposure. Junior's a, a, a great guy, uh, easy, and if he's happy enough with his usage, and I think he would expect more usage next year with the full training camp under his belt. Oh, for sure. But but certainly bring back Junior if it comes at the same price that he was at. As for uh, Tristan Blackman, needs to be uh, qualified, I believe. Um, so that's an, in, uh, an important one. And then after that, that's about it. Okay. Right back and keeper are those the two positions in need of the biggest upgrade? Uh, a a left center back would be my lead. Would be if you're going to stay at three at the back or even five at the back. Um, this is assuming Blackman is back. Then yes, I'm going to assume Blackman okay. is back. If Blackman is not back, is it the right side that is in need of more? Well, if Blackman's not back, my goodness. I mean, I, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think Blackman is on. Un- You're not even considering no. a world where Tristan is not back. No. Okay. He's he's in an option. I, I think they bring him back. Yep. Um, and they've got Laborda there, but I think Laborda is a utility club that you play as a right back and a back four, center back when you need to. He prefers playing center back. But he's better as a right back. Mm-hmm. So I think you try to bring in a granite block, and I've said this a zillion times. Um, if you can replicate, if you can find a way to bring vintage Kendall Waston back alongside um, Veselinovich, yep. Oh my goodness! Well, yeah, because then yeah, I mean, particularly if he's got Waston's size, that's and, and that's what you like. Then you've got a couple of guys who can clear some, yeah, and like, occupy some space. Like look at what LAFC had; uh, they have Chiellini, Mario. And U.S. Men's National Team, where Aaron Long is three unbelievable yep. center backs. Do that. Uh, Takaoka? I'm, on, I'm 50-50. Okay. I'm at the, 50, very, I mean, at the he, very least, they've got to push him, he's, right? He's he's under contract. He's, a, he's yeah, got one at, year left. At the very least, they got to bring somebody in who challenges him for starts, which was not the case this year. Much as we would love to see it from Thomas Asal, you need somebody who gives you another viable alternative. I think Bomer is probably a more likely candidate than, than Hassal. Yeah. Let's get to today's menu. It's brought to you by Greta Bar. Greta, great spot to catch the game throughout the season. Playoffs are a place to chill in the offseason. Frankie Corrado is going to join us Wednesday regular. Talk about the last three Canucks games, the next three Canucks games, his weekend here in Vancouver with the Canucks Autism Network and that hockey tournament. Talk about... Whether he's worried about regression, JT Miller at center ice, Tyler Myers. Hashtags, best and worst of Twitter. Fun set of hashtags today with NHL franchise valuations. Jonathan Huberdeau in Calgary, not to mention Canadian men's national team. Squad's been selected. Then David Quadrelli coming in. This is our first Wednesday without Faber. So his longtime running mate from Canucks Conversation, Canucks Army, David Quadrelli. We'll talk goaltenders with him. Of course, if you missed it last week, new partnership going on here with Sakarison Price, the Nation Network, which 
also has in their stable Canucks Conversation and Canucks Army. Harrison Price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. Head to Applewood Kia in Langley and jump into a Nero EV. Take it for a test drive. You'll absolutely love it. They've got EVs in stock with rates from 6.49%. Or jump into a new Kia Celto at Applewood Kia in Langley with rates from 4.99%. It's all good at Applewood. Poll question today, are you worried the Canucks will regress? Yes or no? Vote at Sikharison Price on Twitter. Joined now by TSN hockey analyst, former Vancouver Canuck Frank Corrado, as we are on Wednesdays. And, uh, well, first things first, you were in uh, our town. Yeah. The big charity alumni game last weekend. How uh, how do you enjoy your weekend back yeah. here? In it was nice to be back in BC. It was nice to be back in Vancouver. It's like you could breathe again. The air is clean. People are relaxed. It was great. I got a few shout outs to hand out. First of all, the Canucks Autism Network. Everyone involved there. It was a lot of people that I knew from my time in the organization. They've done an outstanding job. I don't know if it's this tournament specifically, but I saw the number 1.6 million floating around. Like that's how much I think all the participants of this tournament had raised for autism programs in BC. So a huge shout out to everyone involved there. They put on a great weekend, first class all the way around. Now, the other shout out, the team that drafted me for the weekend. These guys put on a great performance. The Port Moody old timers. I couldn't tell you, I couldn't tell you where Port Moody is, but these guys were a bunch of beauties. They were great. They welcomed me in. They just wanted to hear some stories. We had a great time on the ice. On the ice. Shout out to the Port Moody old timers. Bunch of great guys. We got the group chat going now. So we're locked in and hopefully we'll be back next year playing with the Port Moody old timers. By the way, yeah. big fans of the show. A lot of guys said they listen uh, to okay. Harrison Price. They love it. They never miss a week. So shout out to you guys too. Oh, thank you, uh, Port Moody old timers. Was Don Taylor on that team? No, Don Taylor oh, was not okay. on the team. Very disappointing. All right. uh, how often are you skating? Like, was that was that weird? Are you sore? Or are you playing kind of regularly? Uh, not regularly. I'm probably on the ice a few times a month. I'd like to skate a little bit more, but the schedule doesn't really permit it. Um, yeah. But it was good. It's, it's you know we're not we're not going hard out there. Although I've heard stories about alumni coming back in the past um, and guys just like flooring it on the ice, like taking the puck off people and like playing really hard, which I think yeah. is a little, is a little outrageous. Um, but these guys, these guys were good because, you know, obviously I'm not going super hard out there, but every once in a while I get, get like the tap, you know, on the bench, like, Hey, can you do something cool, cool out there? You know, like do something, <laughs> do something that showed us that uh, like you actually did play in the NHL. So hey, walk uh, the blue uh, line. Come on. Hey, yeah. As we told yeah. you, Cliff Ronning, he yeah. plays for keeps, man. Cliff Ronning plays, for, plays keeps. for keeps out there, man. He's going. Yeah, he is yeah. going. And um, in fantastic shape all these years he's, later. He's, he's amazing. He's in great shape. And and my guys in Port Moody, I believe them as a team, they raised about $50,000 uh, leading up to this tournament. So amazing. It's a great really. job from everyone involved and great group to be a part of. Frankie, since we last talked to you, 10-1 in San Jose, 
two nothing at home to Dallas, which you saw six two at home to Edmonton. What do you make of these Vancouver Canucks? Man, they're a good team. So I don't know if you're I don't know if you'd remember this. So back in in Austin Matthews' first year in Toronto, this guy his name is Jeff Vayette, and he had this tweet going about the Leafs are hashtag actually good, right? And it kind of took off that year. The Vancouver Canucks are actually good. They are a good team. They are not just it's not just a like it's not just a flash in the pan. They're not flying by the seat of their pants. Yes, the goaltender is playing great. So what? That makes a very good team when the goaltender plays great. And I think. You know, you and I, are, are we, we had all talked a couple weeks back about some of the metrics, the underlying metrics for the team. The goaltender was masking things. You can see in the last few games, those numbers have gotten better. So they're heading yep. in the right direction. It's a very impressive team right now. And being in the building Saturday night to watch that game versus Dallas, there was a few takeaways. One is Demko. Demko was outstanding. He was outstanding against the Oilers. But one of the things I see with this team, it's they can problem solve their way out of many situations now, whereas in the past, they didn't have that ability because it felt like you had to do it yourself if you need to get yourself out of a jam. Now it's like if you're under duress, you know where your out is and the puck moves there and everyone kind of flows with the game that way. Um, they're they're way more organized. They're way more structured. And, and another takeaway uh, from the Saturday game against Dallas, they're actually hard to play against. Like Dallas couldn't get anything through the middle of the ice. That's not the goaltender. That's the team. That's the players. They they have become a team that is hard to play against, is not going to give you freebies, not going to play into whatever your transition game may be. I, I I was very impressed. Like the last three games, okay, San Jose, It's we, we know the deal with San Jose. But the game they played against Dallas was very impressive. And the way they were able to weather the storm against the Edmonton Oilers in that first 10 minutes, and then it, it kind of just bought them some time for their best players to get going. Um, and then they didn't look back from there. I just think it's it's a very impressive group to watch right now. Hard to play against uh, structurally in terms of X's and O's. And might they be a little bit, and I'm not going to overplay this, but they're not exactly pushovers anymore. Like JT Miller being an absolute dick to Connor McDavid was just marvelous to see. Like, you know, it, it's... It's it helps when you got a little bit of sandpaper. It's not like the the extra grit that Jeff O'Neill talks about, but it, right. there's something there that they they're not going to be pushed over. Even little needles uh, like uh, like Nils Hoaglander um, in yeah. in your side, like that that doesn't hurt either, does it? No, and there's something to be said for having confidence. Like you have confidence, but when you have confidence as a player, you can get in someone's face and give them the business a little bit, and know like. Yeah, we're, we're a good team. We're actually going to win this game. So screw you. I'll say whatever I want to you because I can, you know, like that's, and, and it may sound a little, a little bit arrogant, but you need a little bit of that. If you want to win games in the best league in the world where everyone's gunning at you, everyone's trying to get some kind of advantage. So I like the fact that the Canucks have a little bit of that. And there's even just a little bit of like physicality to the team. There's just, there's so many times where you see someone's going to go in on the forecheck. I think DJ Zeppi is a good example of this. He's just going to go in on the forecheck and he'll give you a little tap, just a little bump, just to let mm -hmm. you know, like I'm coming every single time, right? Like that's, you, you don't get it just because you rim the puck around the boards because you saw me coming, not letting you off the hook, not giving you a freebie. And those kinds of things, like they matter throughout the course of a game. It just chips away at the opponent. And you, you probably have to give Rick Tockett some credit for that because listen, we know how Rick Tockett played when he was a player. 
he now has the resources and the tools within his roster to apply a lot of what he wants to do as a coach, right? If you don't have the horses, you're never going to look good. That was his story in Arizona. They were going to be a team that was somewhat hard to play against, somewhat competitive, but they never had the players. Now he's got them, and it shows. And I just think, you know, the, the fact that they were hard to play against, against a team like Dallas, that's a very good team that people talk about as one of the better teams in the NHL, I think that's just a, a very encouraging thing for this team. It's one of the better compliments you can hear from people is at the end of the game when they say that team was really hard to play against. It's a big compliment. Well, uh, you mentioned that um, some of the underlings, which have gotten better, but still point to a team that's getting every big save and burying every chance. Uh, so we do expect some degree of regression. Have they got enough cushion, Frankie? And if they did have to lean on two lines and one defense pair and a goaltender from here on out, would that worry you at all? It wouldn't worry me because I don't think that's going to be the case. Like, I, I don't think it's going to be the case where this team all of a sudden turns into a one-line team with one D pair. Like, barring any kind of major injury to the star players on this team, I think they're in really good shape. I, I, I don't see a situation where these guys are just going to wake up one day and, and going to lose everything that they've built so far early in the season. It's like you built this foundation as a team early on because you know you can come back to this. If you don't have it, like the Edmonton Oilers right now, they don't have it. And that's way more concerning for me because they don't have anything to go back to this year that looks good outside of maybe one game in Nashville where they put it together and McDavid had a really nice goal. It's like, that is what worries me more. But these guys, they have the good tape. They have the good feelings. Like they have the good foundation. So yes, at some point, there's going to be a bump in the road because everything seems to be going well for this team. But how much impact is that bump going to have? Like, from what I see on the ice, they're not out there stumbling into wins. They're not winning by accident. It's because they're doing things the right way. They're playing with a sense of purpose. So it, there's, there's always going to be ups and downs. There's always going to be a regression to the mean, if you want to call it that. But I, I don't see this turning into something where the Canucks wake up in January and they've had a six-week stretch where they can't win a game or can't get a save. The only way that's going to happen is if they run into major injury problems because this team, the way they're kind of – the lines are formulated and they're constructed. Like, I'm starting to believe that this team is – well, a playoff team for sure. Like, when you have a start like this, but they're – they're not just a wild card team. Like they could be a team that's, you know, top three in the Pacific. I think it would need to be a defense or goaltending injury for it to really worry me, Frankie, because they've got a guy like Garland playing in the bottom six, who has been a top six uh, winger his entire life. They got the leading scorer in the AHL that could be brought up and, and slotted in uh, alongside there. I think they've got four. I mean, the centers maybe, I guess would be an issue, um, but they've got some insurance um, the question would be defense and goaltending, obviously. But I, I, for a lot of teams, that would be the case. I mean, that's just stating yeah. the obvious, isn't it? Look at look at every team around the league. Every team is, is looking for a defenseman. It's not just the Canucks. And, you know, when, when you have injuries to guys in the top six, it's going to affect you. Yeah. you. Look at the Ottawa Senators. The Ottawa Senators had Shabbat, Artem Zub, and Eric Branstrom all hurt at the same time. Three top six guys. And guess what? They can't win a game. And fans are chanting that it's time to fire the coach. And the players obviously back the coach up, which they should. But you put that situation on any team in the league where you're missing three of your top six defensemen, 
you're in big, big trouble. But the blue line does look a little bit different. And we, and we talked about it last week with Veronik. And he, he adds so much to this blue line. And when everyone is slotted a little bit better, as you know, you're asking less of Tyler Myers. Now you're putting that third pair with Friedman and Ian Cole in a good spot where they can just keep their game fairly low event, right? Unless something happens out there that they need to weather some kind of storm. Like I'm watching them Saturday and I'm thinking, if I was playing on that third pairing, it's a dream game for me. It was like toe caps were faced towards the Dallas Stars net all night. They were pretty clean on their breakouts. There was nothing that happened around them that made you say, ooh, that was a that was a, a, a tough stretch for them there, or that was ugly. It was like, that was just a, a stock kind of game where you move the puck quick and you get off the ice. And I'm like, that's a dream come true for a third pair. That's all you're looking for. So, like, they're slotted better, and them being slotted better allows them to have games like that. Well, and Tyler Myers got huge praise from Rick Tockett the other night after Edmonton, Frankie, talked about how he's been good for six games or so. He hasn't taken a penalty over that stretch. He's hitting people. He's blocking shots. He's playing minutes. He's even chipping in offensively. A word or two about the big fella because it hasn't been a lot of chaos, Giraffe. No, over the no. last couple of weeks, just don't don't try and do too much. I think that's been the criticism for Tyler Myers is is always wanting to do too much, always wanting to carry the puck just a little bit more, running out of position, or going outside the dots because you think you have to get a guy out there. It's like understanding as a D man, and this is easier said than done because I'm very guilty of a lot of the things I'm about to say, and I'm well aware of it. But understanding that as a defenseman, everything funnels to you. Everything is going to funnel to the net. So understanding where your pressure points are, but when you have to be patient on the ice as well. And it's understanding that you, you just need to do what the game calls for, what not what you think you want to do in a game. Like, yeah, I want to go out there. I want to have a great rush, or I want to get involved on, on the offensive blue line. Sometimes the game doesn't present those scenarios for you as a defenseman. You are sometimes at the mercy of it, it's a little bit different than a forward where you're always constantly going. Like you're the one that has to push the pace. You're the one that has to go get the puck. If you don't do it, it's not going to happen. But being a D-man, understanding that the game can come to you and understanding how to use that to your advantage, I think that's a lot of what Rick Tockett probably sees with Tyler Myers right now. Let the game come to you. Do what the game needs. Don't do anything more than that. And at the end of the night, you sit there and you play 20 minutes, 20 plus minutes. You're like, that was a good game. That was That's what they call an efficient game, and that's what mm -hmm. I think he's playing right now. JT Miller at center, and I got to admit, uh, there was many of us, myself included, who thought he's better as a winger. Now, I took a, a lot of my cues from people who know the X's and O's of the game much better than me and just felt he's such a good forechecker. Get him on that wing where he can go in and be the forechecker and not have to have the extra defensive responsibilities at center ice, um, it's clear JT took the defensive side as a challenge and yeah. the center stuff as a challenge. What do you make of him at center ice? Because the results have been brilliant. And sometimes it's hard to explain sometimes when a player has like a change in mindset or, or the, the way they're doing things on the ice. Because you see a player for years and you think, well, that guy's a winger, like through and through. And there's been other examples of that around the league and, and players that have been wingers and, and are, you know, kind of pigeonholed into that situation. Then they get thrust into the centerized position. You're like, okay, no more of that. Go back to where you're at. That looks more natural for you. But listen, I give the guy a lot of credit because he took a lot of heat last year 
and it was very well documented, all the video clips, the smashing the stick over the net, yelling at the goalie, the, the straight leg back check, all that kind of stuff. That's embarrassing stuff. Like that's, you know, when, when, when someone calls you lazy, that's such an indictment. It's one of the worst things you could be called as a hockey player. And there was plenty of people calling him that last year. So that's one of those things where you take it personally and you say, like, I'm not going to be that guy anymore. I'm not going to be that again. And if you have the ability to do something about it, like JT Miller does, then you're in business. Some players, unfortunately, don't have the ability. They can look bad and they're always going to look bad because they just don't have the skill set. You have the skill set that JT Miller has. Now you can turn yourself into not what he was looking like last year. So there's a shift in a mindset there. But if you buy into just being responsible away from the puck, buy into wanting to play against the other team's best lines and relishing that kind of role, getting in Connor McDavid's face and relishing that opportunity to be that kind of player. It's great because you find your purpose in that role. And you think that it's not just a one dimensional thing and the team around you, that is a good team. And you can see that it's a good team. You're bringing something to the table that someone else can't that provides something of substance to that team. Now you feel the purpose. Now you feel like, okay, I'm fully bought in on this because I know we're a good team and I can see the dividends that this team is going to have because of it. You uh, touched on tomorrow's opponent, the Senators, already. I know you see a lot of Ottawa, Toronto, Montreal. What's in store for Vancouver when they get to the center of the universe on Saturday and then Montreal the next day? A golden opportunity. That's what's ahead of them right now. An absolute golden opportunity. Because the Ottawa Senators are sputtering right now. There's so many distractions around that team. A player got suspended 41 games for whatever you want to call it, gambling. It was gambling. The GM has been fired the fans are chanting to to fire the head coach and the captain of the team is saying that it's bs that the fans are chanting that so there's a lot going on around the ottawa senators they obviously need to turn things around but they've had shabbat is still hurt artem zub is going to play tonight in toronto eric brandstrom still hurt up front ridley gregg who has been one of the best rookies in the nhl this year and has been playing third line center in place of shane pinto he's hurt their fourth-line center, Mark Kastelik, is also hurt. So they have two kind of call-ups or makeshift centers in that position. The Ottawa Senators are ripe for the taking. The Toronto Maple Leafs, depending on who you get in net, if you get Joseph Wall, the Leafs are going to have a chance to win. If you get Ilya Samsonov, eh, Leafs are probably not going to have a chance to win that game. The Leafs are a team that is sputtering in their own way. They showed big resolve. Uh, two nights ago against the Tampa Bay Lightning when they were down 4-1. They came back to win that game 6-5. Basically, the deal is this in Toronto. If Austin Matthews doesn't get two goals, Mitch Marner doesn't get four points, they're probably not winning that game. So there's a very good opportunity there. If you find a way to shut those guys down, you can win that game. And the Montreal Canadiens are, as we know, a rebuilding team. There's not much going on there. Their whole MO in Montreal is just to stay in games, be competitive, and, you know, everyone needs to develop a little bit. I think some of the veteran guys there are serving a purpose as far as, um, you know, providing leadership on that team, but also having something to play for for themselves, which is great for Montreal. Guys like Tanner Pearson, guys like Sean Monaghan, who obviously want to revive, um, you know, their careers. So, this road trip they're going on is a golden opportunity for the Canucks. And two and one is, you know, the very least they, they oh. should be doing. They should be they should be three and zero oh on this oh. road trip. 
and they should really be coming back to Vancouver thinking like, this is a legit team. Bold hot take. We used to talk about, you know, stay 500, 500 road trips. Frankie is no more cranking up the expectations. Talk to me about the psychology of this. So these three teams are in the condition you just talked about. They are all on the second half of back-to-backs. All three of these teams will have played the night before as the Canucks. Now the Canucks will be uh, playing the night before or uh, as well for Montreal. So uh, one game where they have the potential to be tired as well, but they're getting everybody tired. You're already on a heater. Um, talk to me about the psychology of being on that team. At what point is a letdown just inevitable? At, at what point do you enter a building thinking it's going to be easy because to this point, you've been getting the results. You've yeah. been getting the goals. You've been getting the saves. To me, it's just human condition. One day, and I'm not saying this team is weak. I'm saying that's made up of human beings. At yeah. what point do they walk in there and let down because – it's just been so good up until this point. It can happen anytime, and it happened to the Colorado Avalanche on Saturday when they lost 7 nothing to the Vegas Golden Knights in Vegas. Those are two teams that a lot of people think have a chance to win the Stanley Cup, and one of those teams may win the Stanley Cup. They lost 7 nothing. They got embarrassed. Like, that can happen to the Vancouver Canucks this year, and it could happen more than once because it's an 82-game season, and stuff like that is just going to happen. But I think now the thing that this group in the dress room is going to have going for them If there's a bad period where they get shelled and they get caved in, someone has the opportunity now to come into that locker room after and say, like, we've established a certain standard here, and that's not acceptable. And we all know where the standard is because we've all been a part of it. So let's get our act together. That could be after one period. That could be after one game going to the next game. But they've established that together as a group, and now they all know where they stand. But it's up to them as a group to hold themselves accountable to that standard and you hope that they can. Might have happened versus Edmonton. Maybe well, that's, that's how they turned it around. Happen uh, against the Senators. This is the free space on the bingo card. You think? So long as they show up, Fra- uh, Frankie. Thank you for showing up both here in Vancouver last weekend and on this show every Wednesday. Love the conversations, my dude. We'll catch up next week. Thank you, guys. We'll talk soon. Harrison Price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. Hashtags, best and worst, twitter.com. Brought to you by Jason Hominick, Jason.Mortgage. If you have a great rate on your mortgage but still need equity out of your house, Jason has a solution where you keep your great rate and you access that equity without touching your mortgage. Your mortgage is up in the next six months. Now's the time to reach out. Find him at Jason.Mortgage. Um... Interesting roster for Canada. Canada Soccer EN, your Canadian men's national team squad for the Canadian Nations League quarterfinals. A spot in the 2024 Copa America is on the line. This is coming up on the 21st in Toronto for the first leg versus Jamaica. And remember, interim coach right now, Mauro Biello. And he's brought in a couple of young guys that people are excited about. Luke Defugerol, which is the Fulham defender that we talked about a week or two ago. 18 years of age. And Ali Ahmed made the team. Yeah, the boy Ali. But the French name British. Yes. Canadian de Fougerol. Uh, but people are a little bit 
eyebrow raised at Lucas Cavallini's I back on the team. Saw Josh Samuel Piet still on the team, and who's the other one? Oh, Mark Anthony K is back on the team. I saw Josh Clokey of the Athletics say this is a must-win series, and that's undoubtedly informing the squad selection. But every window, the coaching staff fails to bring in young players who could compete for 2026 spots yeah. is a missed opportunity. Matthew Schwanier from CF Montreal had an MVP season, not there. He's mid early mid twenties. Who do they play? Jamaica, okay. two legged. So I mean, it's. I, I think Moral Biello being interim is just scared rocking the boat mm-hmm. and is just going with hands that everybody knows. Mm-hmm. Sort of, you can't criticize. He's been on the team for ten years. You mm-hmm. know, I'm not doing anything different. But oof. at K Badenhausen, this is Kurt Badenhausen of Sportico. New Sportico NHL team valuations. The Vancouver Canucks are down two more spots on their list to 13th most valuable in the league, worth $1.2 billion. They're less valuable than Edmonton and Vegas at this point. Now, the Forbes list usually comes out in early December, and the Forbes list has also been consistently knocking the Canucks down. In fact, according to Forbes, no team has had less value growth over the last decade than the Vancouver Canucks. The one-year increase in the value of the Canucks is 20%, which sounds pretty good, but it's fourth from the bottom in the NHL. Only Winnipeg, Washington, and Pittsburgh are deemed to have increased in value less than the Vancouver Canucks. And Blake, it's instructive that this list, the Canucks used to rank around five or six behind the Leafs, Rangers, Habs, and then, you know, Boston, Philly, you know, those sorts of... Okay, but the Oilers got a brand new building. Right. They have the best player on the planet Mm -hmm. and the fifth best player on the planet. Right. Um, And some of this is building related. Yeah. And upgrades to Rogers Arena should increase the value, but of course they will not increase the value like a new new building to the same extent. Some of this is just competitiveness. And some of this is the fact that they don't have the ticket-selling operation that they once had. Matt, Monday versus the Oilers with the team on the rise versus the best player in the world mm-hmm. of uh, division foot wasn't so low. Yeah. They were begging well, for I, ticket I mean, sales morning of the game. As we know, this is one of the most expensive jurisdictions to live in in all of North America. Mm-hmm. And hockey tickets are just unaffordable for a vast percentage of the community, particularly when economic times are tough. My daughter and her boyfriend wanted to go. Um, I th- did they make it a student night? No, they didn't make Monday a student night, but I saw they had tickets available, so I sent them the uh, the advertisement link, and they were like, nope, can't afford that. <laughs> You're telling me daddy didn't buy a pair of tickets? No. Nope. No. She's on her own now? Yeah. She's in school, Blake. Yeah. Well, I, I pay for the food, the necessities. She's got money. That's where Uncle Matthew has to step up. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Christmas is coming. Speaking of dough and uh, and and uh, franchise value, this plays into it. At FOS, front office sports. The Denver Broncos will spend $175 million to build a new practice center and team headquarters, funded entirely by team ownership. <laughs> Did you guys see Chris Gear's tweet on it's, that? It's Chris, it's Chris the Gear, Walton family, the Walmart people, so they've got some money laying around. He, uh, Chris Gear quote tweeted that, oh, that's a thing? And I responded to that saying, really, that's referring to what? To the fact that, A, a practice facility exists, because mm. in this market, yeah. that would be a thing. Um, and also, 
bought entirely by the franchise's ownership. Right. That also would, would be a thing in this market. Mm-hmm. At Ring of Fire CGY, Robert Munich, Jonathan Huberdeau has been benched by Ryan Huska for the entire third period. Calgary last night used Huberdeau for 14 and a half minutes through two periods. They trailed 2-1 going into the third period against the Nashville Predators and forged a three-goal third period comeback to win 4-2 with Huberdeau not playing a second. Yeah. Not sure that contract is going to age well. Oh, boy. Might be, if not the worst, one of it the worst. It is tracking towards yes. the worst. The it stats, is becoming their Louis Erickson. The stats folks warned against this. Those mm-hmm. that were in Florida or around the Florida Panthers suggested heavily mm-hmm. Barkoff is the straw that stirs the drink here, well, not Huberdeau. And especially after Huberdeau was a no-show in the playoffs that year for yeah. them. And... and, and it's funny, we had a little bit of a debrief about this before the show began, and I, and and you know that I do not like benchings as a rule right? for star players, for star players. This is a little bit different in that he's not performing as a $10.5 million player at all. Mm-hmm. So punishing, you know, imagine Pedersen as, uh, you know, an egregious giveaway or two in a game. Do you bench him? Of course you don't, because he's going to redeem himself for you, or he gives you the best chance to redeem himself. I think what Ryan Huska saw t- last night and all season is this guy's giving no chance for a redemption arc here. And so it still makes sense for me to bench him. Well, uh, on that front, a very pointed question from Mark Spector to Jay Woodcroft after the Oilers lost here on Monday night about Evan Bouchard, a, tur- a turnover, not hustling back. And Woodcroft's answer effectively was, there's a time for accountability, but when we're down two goals, I need to play my best offensive defenseman. Right, and that's always been my theory. And yet that should underpin getting Huberto back in there, and yet, as you just explained. But it ex- yeah, it, it underlines, it, it, it underlines how bad so that, yes. he's been. I'm out. At B. Nicholson-Smith, Sportsnet on the Toronto Blue Jays. Reflecting on comments he made after the season, Ross Atkins says he feels fully full accountability for what happens on and off the field as Blue Jays GM, and regrets making comments that suggested otherwise. Ask Atkins also said he understands any frustration Jays fans have. Now, I thought this was an Ivy League guy. A month later, and of course, to a team broadcaster, in-house effectively reporter. That will wrap it up nicely. He's not it, Jays fans. This guy ain't it. He's masquerading as a general manager. Big off-season for this club. And frankly, this guy deserves to be in the crosshairs more than the guy below him in Schneider and more than the guy above him. And the problem is with all these um, guys leaving um, because contracts are not being qualified and all that sort of stuff. Um, There's a lot of players to be brought in for next season. Like the team will look pretty different. Chapman is a huge decision because as frustrating as he can be with the bat, he does get hot. He does have power. And he's an exceptional third baseman. So where is your defense going to be on the infield without him? Mm-hmm. And if you re-sign him, what does that prevent you from adding, if anything? Because I don't think he's taking a home team discount here. My point is there's a lot of vacant spots here. 
And are you trusting this management group to properly plug in those spots? And I think for most people, the answer is no. Yep. And that's hashtags for today. Harrison Price from Wall Center, a presentation, Applewood Auto Group, and looky here, looky here, Blake. One week ago, we announced our partnership with the Nation Network. One of the things we say is we're so eager to be working with all their great editorialists to begin with, and one of them has made it here to the GoGo Sports Studio. He is the managing editor of Canucks Army and the host of Canucks Conversation. And you're using this studio now, David Quadrelli. We're so pleased to have you aboard. Yeah, very pleased to be here. I like it more when there's green on the back. I gotta say, the green looks pretty. The green sharp. Pop. Oh, the green it pops. It, so it looks pop. pretty sick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, now we're partial to our cobalt. <laughs> Don't call it blue. It's yeah. cobalt. We were instructed <laughs> on this in the early going. Uh, anyways, how are things working out for you here? Great. Yeah, really liking it so far. Um, yeah, we're trying to figure out the lighting. <laughs> That's the main thing <laughs> for us right now. But it feels like we've had two shows here, and each day we knock out something different like the first mm-hmm. show people were saying you need to fix this we fixed it mm-hmm. second show fix another thing third show fix another thing and soon there'll be nothing to fix i've been in a, a new place for the last uh, year and five months and uh i'm still working on it so uh, you know it takes a while to move into a new dig so uh welcome and uh hopefully you guys are uh, enjoying yourself yeah it's good it's been good so far you are uh very fastidious i'm sure you will get to every last issue here david and make sure it sings much like Wyatt Arn's copy <laughs> on a game night basis that copy comes in very uh, late i enjoy too. <laughs> watching the 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 repartee between the two of them on social media no less there was a great about the editing job done on his copy. It was a great metaphor simile last time. Right? What was the one thing really stood out? Somebody even like clipped it. He had a metaphor or a simile or something in there that was just so good last time. I don't know. They're always in there. They There's pop. at least six in every single one. Yeah. So uh, take your pick. Yeah. It's uh, hey, um, it couldn't be this a better. The stanchies, of course. Yes. You got to follow yes. the yes. stanchies yeah. after every game at Canucks Army. I mean, it's uh, it's quite a season for all of us in the media because we haven't had this in a while isn't it is it do you feel like you're covering a different sport almost like it just feels like a different experience right now covering this team someone pointed out in our youtube live chat of our show yesterday they were like the last time the canucks were this good Harmon and quads were 11 years old yeah yeah and it's actually true like the last (laughs) time they were this good we were actually 11 years old and now we're covering this team and you know we've never covered a team like this i can tell you that and yeah, it does. It feels different. I think that's a good way to put it, that it feels like you're covering something completely different because it's unlike any experience I've had covering the team to this point, for sure. In 2011, when we, well, and the couple of years before that even, like I remembered, you know, there was so much winning um, and we were, we held that team to such a standard. We got tired of winning. Well, it's not that we got tired, but we, we, we got accustomed to quibbling. Like it was the fine tuning. We had to say that fourth line right winger, Guts to go, mm-hmm. just guts, <laughs> you know, like not good enough. Um, right now, maybe it's because we're rusty in that regard. It's almost hard to find stuff to quibble with, don't you think? Like, is it even hard to, even if you held them to like a Stanley Cup contender status? And I'm not calling them a Stanley Cup contender. Oh, come on! But if you, <laughs> but if you use that template, even what are you quibbling with? Like, they're they're on such a heater right now. It's hard to find any criticism. 
And that's going to be the topic of our show today is Harmon wrote about PDO over at The Athletic. And we're going to be looking under the hood of their start because we talked about it yesterday in our show as well. The regression. We know it's going to regress at some point. But what right that now, looks like, who knows? Yeah, exactly. Right yeah. now, just everything's clicking. So something's going to give at some point. But I don't know. Like that. that's kind of where my where my take on it all stands is, is everything going to fall at the same time? We've seen it in the city. I just don't, I don't know uh, if that's going to happen with this team. That's our poll today, David. Are you worried about regression? Yeah, it's a very good poll question by you guys today. Um, No. And the reason I'm not is because the power play, the penalty kill, the goaltending, the five on five play, it's all clicking right now. Right. And I'd say the most sustainable part of all of that is in order. I would say the goaltending is the most sustainable. I would say the power play is the second most. I'd agree. I would say the five on five play is maybe third and penalty kill is fourth. And and maybe even swap those, um, the five on five and the penalty kill, because the penalty kill has been so good this season that, um, and J-Pat wrote about this at Canucks Army, where the, the times the penalty kill has given up goals, it's been against world beaters. Like, it's mm-hmm. been against the best players in the National Hockey League. So. And five on three. A couple of five on and three. Exactly. And it's coming back. It's 77%. It's 18th in the league. It does have to get better, but I hear what you're saying. Yeah. There's context around it. There's mm-hmm. a lot of context that goes into that percentage. And and for that reason, no, I'm not worried about regression. And I think that's – I'm interested to see what Harmon pulls out today because he's d- dove into the numbers a little bit more than I have. But just based on feel – I look at what's clicking for this team right now. Um, You've got Casey DeSmith playing well, although I think people are reading a little bit too much into how well he's playing. Like anybody out there suggesting Casey DeSmith should start over Thatcher Demko, they're out to lunch. And and I'm sorry, no matter how well that person doesn't exist. Come on. Oh, we've seen them. Woodley and I had these conversations. Yeah. Yeah. We found them. Woodley Woodley finds them. And Woodley and I talk about it. And of course, we're, we're throwing around that word regression, but the other word we're throwing around is cushion. You know, yes. and we did uh, did the story yesterday on Welcome Matt that there only been six instances of teams blowing it from here in terms of missing the playoffs. All of them had either long losing streaks or significant injuries to star players. Quads, I know you're a big goaltending guy. Demko this year. Has it just been health, good health or is there more at play here? Because I want to say it was 50 out of 51 grade A chances that he had repelled, which is like maybe the most astonishing stat Mm -hmm. of all these astonishing stats about the Vancouver Canucks. You talk to Thatcher about it and the way he looks at last season is I had 12 bad games and they were all in succession. And let's be honest guys, like the goaltending was an issue last year. The five and five play was atrocious as well. The penalty kill needed to be miles better than it was. Um, but the goaltending was an issue last, last year. Let's not, you know, let's not make any mistake about it. It was a problem last year, and that included Thatcher Demko. Obviously, Spencer Martin and Colin Delia, they didn't hold up their end of the bargain, but neither did the defense. Uh, with the topic of Thatcher Demko, I think it's significant to note that this was an offseason where he came in, I think it was like late July, he was here working with Ian Clark. He came up from San Diego very, very early to work with Ian Clark. And he didn't really get to have that full offseason and that start last offseason, the one before this one. He didn't have that. And then he came back, um, and obviously he was facing five alarm chances night in and night out, eventually tore his groin. But I asked him about it, and he didn't really, didn't really humor me on it much. But I don't care what he says. I think to some extent... I know it. 
not having a full start to your off season and starting at the same time as you normally would, because you have to recover and you have to rehab an injury that's going to affect you. That's going to affect your preparation. So look, I, I've always thought Thatcher's a fantastic goaltender, but I think right now what we're seeing is a full off season to recover, um, to prepare. And obviously the environment in front of him is miles better than it ever has. Is been. he as good as Spencer Martin of the Columbus blue jackets with a <laughs> 928 save percentage? I don't know what's going on there at all, uh, but good on Spencer Martin for landing on his feet uh, somewhere. Uh, do you, do you think the Canucks should prepare for uh, the R word, the regression word? Do, do, do you believe that they are working to better this team for that eventuality? Is there, is there a transaction in the hopper, if you will, as much as Myers and Friedman have played well, do you, you know, are they still hunting down that, that right shot defenseman? Do you think they're still looking for Beauvillier and Garland landing spots because they know that this day is eventually going to come? I think you have to. And I think you, I think we should stop using the word regression because I think what this team needs to prepare for more is something Matt brought up earlier, the potential of an injury mm -hmm. to a star player. Like your depth is pretty solid. Like you've got Archdeep Baines leading the AHL in scoring. He can probably come in, be a pretty serviceable third, fourth line winger, if not this They still haven't used Teddy Bluger. Exactly. Yeah. They still have Teddy Bluger, right? Mm -hmm. Waiting in the wings. But I think this team's depth is what you really need to look at. Because, look, we were talking about what you nitpick about a contender, which, make no mistake about it, this Canucks team is a contender. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. Well, you heard uh, it here in first. all seriousness, yeah. like, if you look for things that this team needs to improve on, it is their depth. If, if you're going to be a playoff team, which I think this team will be based on their start yep. and, you know, what they've done, it, it's going to be, you know, almost hard for them to fall off completely and not make the playoffs at this point in time. But... That's what you need to improve is your depth. Because yeah. look, like later in the year, we see it every year, guys. Like we see teams and not necessarily the star players, but you're going to lose guys throughout the year. You are going to lose guys. So like this team can't afford to lose Mark Friedman right now. That, that's where we're at right yeah. now. Yes. So no, yes, that needs to be And addressed. Friedman as your seventh defenseman is, is the proper move, yes, right? Yes. So they still have to look for that. Yeah. I feel like David, uh, outside of opening night and the four goals that we haven't talked a ton about Brock Besser and he would otherwise be the biggest story in Canucks land, if not for everything else that's going on. I see that Canucks army has written, recently about Brock Besser as uh, uh, Stefan Roger Brock Besser's revived goal scoring gets the headline, but that's not all he's vastly improved this year. A word or two about Besser's campaign to date. JT Miller's getting a lot of the love and rightfully so. But also when you talk to Miller about it, he always points out what Phil DiGiuseppe and what Brock Besser are doing. And Miller really dove in on the topic of Besser after last game. And I think he put it really well talking about how he's really added the net front presence to his game, like getting to the front of the net, screening the goaltender, getting into it with the defenseman who's trying to box him out. And now a lot of times doing it rather unsuccessfully. So he's added that to his game. Um, the ability to get in on the forecheck, I think he's added a step or two in his offseason. We know he had that big offseason training, stayed away from the beauty league, um, which I would say is like a glorified beer league. Um, and, and it might preach bad habits to you. Exactly. You know, um, worst. And he had that offseason of training where, you know, Tockett said that was going to be important for him. And look, he's passed with flying colors. And this is something Tockett focused on in his post game press conference last game was these guys that are putting up points 
they're not cheating for offense at all. They are playing the game the right way. Like Brock Besser's playing a matchup role and he is producing the way he is right now. A lot of those goals are at five on five. A lot of his points are happening at five on five. And a lot of the good things that he's doing, even aside from scoring, are happening at five on five. That McDavid line, you know, as much as we talk about how the Miller, DiGiuseppe and Besser line has been able to shut them down through three contests, what we really need to focus on is that DiGiuseppe and Besser and Miller, but especially the wingers on that line, are getting in on the forecheck and they're making it really hard for the Oilers defensemen to even get the puck to McDavid. And when you're forechecking like that, that's going to lead to results. And that's what we've seen with Besser and something that maybe we haven't seen as much in years past, his ability to be on a shutdown line and really excel at it. That's what he's added to his game. I know you guys like to track the young Canucks and the prospects all the way up. We had the discussion the other night about Nils Hoaglander after the uh, contribution against the Oilers and then the coach's comments thereafter. Is he free and clear of a healthy scratch? Do you think he has arrived as a every night NHLer? Yes, but I think he still has a short leash. Like, so yes and no, I, I suppose, because right now there's a lot of things going right for this team and a lot of things going really well for Niels Hoaglander. But when you have a guy like Teddy Bluger, like you're not scratching Teddy Bluger. Like Teddy Bluger is not going to be a healthy scratch when he's eventually healthy. Um, I think the Canucks are afforded an opportunity where they can slow play Bluger in, right? Like give mm-hmm. him all the time he needs to heal. I think they're in a position to do that, but somebody's got to come out. Um, I think everybody in that bottom six, Connor Garland, Dakota Joshua, Anthony Bovillier, and Niels Huglander, I think they all fall into the same category of they are playing fine right now, mm-hmm. but they are all going to have short leashes. Let me ask you it this way. If Bluger's ready to go, say, Sunday in Montreal, there's two games before that. Mm-hmm. Hoaglander had sort of quiet games. Do you think he could be a scratch Sunday? Absolutely. I Do think you... whoever has the quietest game okay. of those names that I just mentioned. Including Bovillier. So you Absolutely. think they'd be willing to scratch Bovillier? Absolutely. Okay. Because I do think they'd like to move Beauvillier or Garland uh, in search of this defenseman if uh, if that's uh, anyway doable. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, last question for you. Speaking of that Habs game on Sunday, you're in at Rinkwide with J-Pat on Sunday. First time through. Going to be a lot of fun. I'm very excited for it. Um, J-Pat and I have a, have a great relationship. He's uh, recently come on at Canucks mm. Army, which has been a lot of fun. And when J-Pat got hired, the thing I started telling everybody, J-Pat doesn't even know this, the thing I told everybody is he's coming on to Canucks Army. I'm going to make J-Pat be silly and fun. Oh, wow. And, yeah. and were you successful? I think so. Yeah. I mean, the Patterson's pondering bit, he laughs at it every time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think so. I think I think we're getting it's there. quite a bromance that's developing that's right. here. <laughs> yes. Great to see you. Yes. Look forward to working with you. We'll have uh, your cohort, Mr. Dial, in there in this spot next week. And uh, then we'll start up with some Canucks Army guests. So looking forward to this day. Fantastic. Sakaris and Price from All Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. You can text 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. It's going to be great. Poll question results from yesterday. We asked you, did the Canucks break the Oilers? Yes or no? What won the poll? Uh, yes. Correct. 80. 84. <laughs> Kyle, hard not to say, taking all six points so far doesn't constitute some breaking. That's ground the Oilers will never get back. It's true. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Uh, Bob says the Canucks have them reevaluating their entire franchise direction. The Jack Campbell waving a day well, later. Just, just think if, like, if, the, if the reverse is true, the Oilers win all three games. Mm-hmm. Campbell's an Oiler today. Canucks are 6-5. and five, mm-hmm. Which is fine. Mm-hmm. But the Oilers look a lot better. Oh, yeah. I mean, they've got five wins as opposed to two. Yeah. Uh, some said no, calling and planning. No, I think this is just the Oilers themselves. Canucks are a benefactor. Leaf says no, that happened in Vegas last spring. And they were in a very tight series with Vegas and a tight hockey game as well. I want to say it was game six. And then gave up some quick ones. And he thinks they have not recovered. McDavid doesn't like losing. And you can see it on his face. And, um, you know, two years ago when the playoff frustration was kind of really setting in that they were banging their heads against the wall, I thought it was a little premature to say he's going to want out, he's going to want out. I mean, it's hard not to go there. It's hard not to go there, considering the state of the franchise mm-hmm. right now. And with that Sharks win last night, the Sharks and Oilers face off tomorrow night, Thursday. Right. They could be tied in points with five <laughs> if San Jose wins. Wow. How about that for wow, perspective? San Jose winning two in a row. Come on now. Well, stranger things have happened. Yeah. Think about Arizona. Not many. Not many. Arizona put together weird stretches of wins in the last couple of years. You never know. Errors and omissions from yesterday's program. There are several. Uh, Corrected in real time, but I had the shots at 28-26 at one point for Vancouver, but shots were taken off the board for the Canucks. Mm -hmm. Blake called Kuzmenko a point-per-game player. It's 10 points. I was rounding up, yeah. 12 games. He's not quite that. You asked me about the Lions' turnover differential, minus 12, and whether it was a function of too many turnovers themselves or not enough takeaways, and really the answer is both, as I mentioned yesterday. Uh, But here are the details. 44 turnovers for the Lions. That was sixth out of nine teams. Mm -hmm. 32 takeaways from the Lions. That was seventh. Wow, so it is. And then lastly... Mentioned I was heading off to Lions practice yesterday. Yeah? Did that not happen? Damnedest thing. Um, so <laughs> I'm, I'm, driving out, I'm driving out there, and I know I'm going to be probably right there at the end of practice for a couple of minutes late. So I go wheeling into the parking lot there in North Surrey, and uh, there's not a soul outdoors. Oh, no. You drove all the way out there. And I'm looking at it going, I've been to enough football practices that – you know, they don't just clear out in a minute or no. two. There's always guys lingering. And so I thought to myself, okay, maybe they move practice time. You know, maybe they did some indoor. Go to the locker room. Door's locked. One guy says, what are you looking for? You got a friend here or something? I go, I'm looking for practice. He goes, uh, oh, they're practicing at BC Place today. <laughs> so... <laughs> And, and like, here's the damnedest thing. Oh my God! You the didn't... the the uh, fastidious Mad Baker sends a email every week on practice, and I opened it on Sunday as I was planning out my week and saw practice Monday, Surrey training facility. I guess I didn't read the details of Tuesday's practice that they moved on down to BC Place. So what did you do? Did you go sightseeing in Wally? Uh, no. I must say. Oh. Uh, 
the colors and trees in the west are magnificent right now. You should oh, really take a drive out there. Went back over the uh, Patello well, and uh, yeah. drove around? No, I mean, I, I came home. Couldn't get yeah. out of there quick enough. Oh, come on now, Grady. Uh, hey, I was born I in Surrey. Home. I'm allowed hey, to say I, that. As you know, Blake, I love driving, so that QX60 for, uh, from Infinity. There are worse places to be. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Put on some tunes, sang like nobody was watching. <laughs> oh, boy. That's, a, the that's good disturbing. News, the good news is there wasn't a lot of traffic in either direction. No, that is good. So, And, uh, boy, I must say... Uh, North Surrey and Wally has uh, changed a little bit yeah. since I was last yeah. out there. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. some new things happening. Anyways, I will make it to practice today. Oh, okay. You the same drive? At BC. Oh, place. they're back there. Okay. You double check that email? I have triple check. Okay. <laughs> Maybe send Baker an email just for confirmation. Exactly. Yeah. Will you be there? <laughs> Time now for our Betway bets of the day. Thursday night football, Carolina, Chicago. Let's face it, you need some action on this game, otherwise it is unwatchable. Canada's Chuba Hubbard. He has gone over 45 and a half rough rushing yards in two of his last three games. I think he's going to get plenty of opportunities here against the Bears. So I'm going over at plus 190 on your Betway bet of the day. I'm um, going to the NFL as well, but going to the weekend schedule. Detroit and Los Angeles Chargers. Mm. And I'm inspired Off to the- bet. Short week. Uh, I'm inspired to bet on this one because um, Dave Naylor pointed out there are more Canadians on the Chargers mm-hmm. than are, there are on the Los Angeles Kings of the National Hockey League. Wow. So Canada's team against the Lions pays out at 225. Did I get that wrong? Were Chargers on the short week or did they play the Sunday nighter? Well, they, they played the Monday nighter. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So, so they are on the short week. Must be 19 plus to play. Please play responsibly. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder to subscribe to us and RankWide wherever you get your podcasts. Connects conversation, too, since we had Quadrelli mm-hmm. on the show today. Remember to follow on social. That's Insta, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube. And, of course, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.